Hi, I'm Kales. And I'm Allison. And this is Why We YA. So today we're going to be talking about a really fun topic. We're going to be talking about sex in YA, subtitled... Is everyone doing it? Yep. <laughs> uh, this will be fun. But first, starting out as we always start, what are you reading? I'm listening to Wicked Lovely by Melissa Marr. I'm not very far in, maybe like an hour out of ten hours. So, not very far. But so far it's good. It's about, it's like an urban fantasy fae. It's been said that it's Holly Black meets Sarah J. Mass. So we will see about that. I just rose an eyebrow in skepticism. I am listening to Trickster's Choice by Tamora Pierce as I continue my Tamora Pierce kick. I'm not liking it as much as the other quartets that I've liked, but it's still good. I like Allie. I just hate the plot. And it's too political for my taste, and I just miss all the other old characters, and I'm like, I want them back. I want them back. These visions aren't enough. And that one's a duology. Yes. So it's only two. So even if you don't fall in love with characters, which I think that you will. I'm sure I will. I'm a little over halfway. Um, and then I'm, so that's what I'm listening to, and I'm reading Because You Love to Hate Me, which is a collection of short stories um, with prompts given to various YA authors by booktubers about retellings with villains and giving their backstories. And I don't like it. <laughs> that's the long story short on that. So yeah, let's talk about sex and YA, because I think I'd rather talk about that than this book. <laughs> Which is saying something. Right? Because this is going to be a fun topic. So we're talking about sex in YA more as a plot device. Um, how it may affect the characterization of people or the genre. How the genre changes how sex works in books. And less about maybe some harder topics in sex like consent or rape culture. Which we're going to do in maybe a different podcast. We think that they're separate subjects. Uh, I agree. I think we also might put in... A little bit of talk about censorship and how far is too far and is it everywhere? You know, are there books or should it be everywhere? You know what I mean? Should books contain more sex or should they contain less? I actually want to have a first question to start off as being you and I being YA readers who have grown up in this culture as we've emphasized in our many episodes and in our conversations off mic. If you don't mind, I would love it if you could tell me about an early memory about reading a sex scene and how it affected you. And I can tell one about mine as well. So in YA, I've talked in an earlier podcast about my first foray into YA and where I like felt devious for like you know going to the YA books. Um, some of the early YA I read didn't have much sex in it at all, or it was fade to black. You know, it was this is kind of happening, and then we fade it out, and then we'll talk about it later. Um, I think one of the first books I read that had, like, actual sex in it, that talked about sex, that wasn't kind of afraid to shy, didn't shy away from it, was The Perks of Being a Wallflower, which is, again, hard because some of the sex in that book isn't consensual, consensual, and that's another topic, like we've said. It kind of opened my eyes to the kinds of experiences people can have with sex that are both positive and negative because it kind of covers both. But for other kind of like first sex scenes in when I was reading, a lot of fan fiction I read had sex in it. That And that was really my first introduction to like not fade to black sex. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because it's like authors that were probably my age or a little bit older than me 
um, or like, I want these characters to have sex, so we're going to make them have sex. Uh, so that's kind of my first experience with sex scenes in books. Yeah, for me, it was much later. It wasn't probably until college did I really experience books that had sex in them that weren't Song of the Lioness, which is kind of a fade to black-esque. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. It does definitely isn't descriptive. No, not descriptive. And for me, the first one that I can actually remember wasn't a YA. It was Water for Elephants. Oh, yeah. And I read that in high school. Yeah, and I read that in college, and I remember that sex scene, and I was like, what? And then The Dresden Files was the other one that was, like, explicit. But again, those were both adult novels, and I was an adult at the time. I still am. But, <laughs> I, you know, to me, I didn't – those – it wasn't present in a lot of YA books that I read. A lot of kissing was, and yeah. a lot of maybe some implied sex. Like, I remember one of the first ones was Fault in Our Stars. That one wasn't really explicit. It got to him, like, taking his shirt off and her taking her shirt off and whatever. But, like, there wasn't – and they talked about it afterwards. But even that came out when I was in college. Um, and I think that also has a lot to do with my upbringing. Just a quick recap. Um, I grew up in a very Christian household. But I also, as a kid, did not – as a teen, did not have a lot of romantic experiences. I've had three serious boyfriends in my life. Ever. I never had the little like flirty things. I never did anything like that. And so it wasn't just a part of my life. I, I didn't, it wasn't a priority to me, which I know sounds really weird for teens. But so it didn't bother me that I guess there was no sex or that there was sex. It just didn't come up really until college, um, which is interesting to think about. Yeah. So a lot of these references when I was reading articles about sex and YA, it still baffles me because I just, I did have a very abnormal experience or atypical experience, I'll say an atypical experience and I'm like wait these teens are talking about books that they're having sex in 16 I was like I didn't I hadn't even kissed a boy until I was like 18 <laughs> you know so I think I was 17 but still like you and I have very different experiences in terms of our relationships because I've been with my husband since we were 15 mm -hmm. and neither of us have any religious background so we like sex was something that happened early in our relationships we were having sex in high school so reading books where teenagers were having sex wasn't weird to me because it was something that I was doing and so it was something my friends were doing. It was a, a conversation that was happening in my group of friends. See, and I never did. And so that, and even in college, I had friends that still giggled about sex, which is why I want to bring up a question about maturity. Is sex something we should put in YA books? Because is it valuable or are they just gonna giggle about it? There's, I think there are two sides to this question. I think that in this situation, self-censorship is a thing where yeah. you could say, if you were 12 or 13 and you weren't, you had that, or had that giggly, I don't really wanna think about it, I don't wanna talk about it, it embarrasses me mm -hmm. stage, or even later, but that's kind of the age I associate with that stage. Um, you have every right to say, I don't want to read that. So right. you can self-censor and say, I'm not going to read that book yet. Maybe I'll read it in a few years. On the other hand, I think it is really important for there to be sex-positive role models. There are a lot of teenagers who don't have real and good sex education in schools. That is true. Um, they may have parents who are unwilling or unable to talk about sex with them. Um, and so from my perspective sex positivity is really important. So having people who are your age or p mentors in these books who are um, older, kind of talking about sex, talking about how it's not all gloom and doom or how, how to be safe, 
that kind of thing, and seeing that through story, I think is important. Yeah, I want to bring up um, two articles that I read in relation to that of having positive role models. And I think that you and I both agree that that should exist in YA. I'm also going to take the side, though, that I think there are, that it shouldn't have to in the sense of like, I think it should also exist, but I think there are books that it doesn't need to be there, that there are other ones. And I want to bring that up with genre in a minute. And this article, it was published in uh, 2013 by Kelly Jensen, and it's Sex in YA Fiction or Fifty Shades for Kids, which that's, that's another. a horrible title. Right? I know. That so makes me so sad. One of the quotes she said was, fiction is one of the safest places for learning about exploring uncomfortable topics for teenagers. It's probably the safest arena for understanding the complexity of sex and sexuality. These books are the gulf between the idea that teens live in a hyper-sexualized world and the idea that teens must be sheltered and blind to the bodies and worlds they're entering into. And I bring that up because I think you're right that books are, like she says, a gulf and a safe space for teens who may not be getting that education in schools or at home. Or it also is a gulf for teens who may have gotten that education but want to learn more or want to relate to teens that are talking about it because it might not be a topic of conversation amongst their friends. Like, we didn't talk about it in my friends' groups ever. Sex was not a topic of conversation. And... I learned about it mostly through books. I think now that in the YA landscape today, there are a lot more examples of um, books that are explicit enough that you can get that without having to find some self-published fanfic (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, You can get that from published authors, which I think was difficult when I was like a young teenager. No, I agree. And I think another thing that's very interesting in this idea of having it be available as a resource and as a gulf is, and this is something I didn't think about until I read this article, which is about uh, two YA authors who do the podcast An Oral History. Oh, I love that podcast. And it's Krista Desir and Carrie Mesrobian. I don't know, but the, the article is from the book list reader, and it's Sex and YA, What Works, What Doesn't, and Why It Matters. And one thing that I didn't even think about until these women mentioned it was mentioning how the character moves physically and the body is such a central part of adolescence experience I'm quoting here it's growth it's betrayal it's torture when it comes to comparison and it's developing talents that it must be included to make YA story come to life I didn't think about how I didn't think about it from a a physical standpoint and how your body's changing and how you might want to talk to somebody or find other people that can relate to what's going on with your body whether it's a gross bird or big boobs, small boobs, you know, what, what, hair everywhere, whatever it is. I didn't think about the physical aspects. I was only thinking about it morally and mentally with your choices. Sure. But I think that's very valid too. You know, that's the prime age for when everything's starting to change well, physically. And I, th- and I think it's, it's a windows and mirrors thing that's like micro. So you're looking at sexuality as a windows and mirrors saying, as a, as a girl who's developing, um, this is what I look like. Or this is what I don't look like. I wonder if that would be like... It's also a time of great insecurity, especially those early years. So seeing characters who may have the similar attributes that you find negative have positive sexual relationships is like super empowering. Yeah, I I even still feel it as a a 20-something. I read Ramona Blue, which has a six-foot-three character. And I know you guys can't tell, but I'm six feet tall. Like, I never find girls that are tall in literature or in movies or... Like, they're not. And Ramona is six foot freaking three, which is taller than me, which is hard to find. And so, like I said, and I read that book 
literally months ago, and I was like, I'm in love because this character's like me, and I'm not 16 anymore. Right. So I think that that's even more validated at that age. And so I found it very interesting, like I said, when I was reading this article, and I didn't even think about the physical aspect of it. You had a topic you wanted to bring up about genre. Yeah. There's a couple things that about genre. I think that my personal feeling is that genre, that sex is treated differently depending on the genre. I agree. YA. So just t- taking the most basic genres, fantasy versus realistic fiction. What role does sex play in those two genres that's different from the other? I think it is less frequent in fantasy than it is in realistic fiction. And I can say that because I read both of them. And I don't know about what you read with fantasy, but I always find that in the fantasy plot, the adventure and the stakes tend to be a little bit higher in terms of survival and, you know, searching for food. Like, I really can't think of Katniss and Peeta having enough time to have a role in the cave (laughs) when they're trying to survive. It's more of an interruption in fantasy high adventure fantasy where there's a a lot more going on maybe than a slow burn of a realistic fiction that might be there. What do you think about that? Realistic fiction often centers on the relationship that a person is entering more than what's happening in the world. Agreed. Um, So that lends itself to sex being more prevalent or at least more like in the front of the story. There's always a buildup to the relationship because, you know, the people never know each other beforehand, which is different in a lot of realistic fiction sometimes. It's, it's like, the boy next door right. or, like, childhood whomever, yeah. Exactly. Or so, brother's best friend, which doesn't work. In, in <laughs> fantasy, it's often um, enemies to lovers or, like, these serendipitous circumstances where we have to travel together or we have to fight together. Um, so I think because the stakes are higher and because passions run higher – and burn faster, that fantasy, I feel like they have sex sooner. Oh, I didn't think about a timeline. I was thinking more like in the midst of the adventure. Yeah, so I feel like hmm. there's, I feel like oftentimes there's a an arc where the relationship is building and then like they'll have sex, but they only talk about it the one time and then it's just like, it's going on in the background like later, but yeah. we're like, we're doing the adventure stuff. We're not really worried about the sex anymore. Like, it happened. We've established that that's happening actively. We're going to get to the real adventure part. Um, so I think that happens in fantasy. And then realistic fiction, it's more, it's so, it can be so micro. Like, you're focusing on this one person in this one real city, in this one instance of time. Um, so it's easier to get into the kind of emotional turmoil or emotional attachment to a person on a more granular level than it does in a fantasy book. So you're like spending a lot more time with that person, spending a lot more time establishing the relationship. Where in fantasy it can be kind of like we hop from episode one where they meet and they hate each other to episode two where they're attracted to each other and they still kind of hate each other to episode three where the attraction is overrode <laughs> the hatred. And then episode four is they start a physical relationship and have sex immediately. So you pretty much just described Pride and Prejudice, I feel like, though. <laughs> um, except instead of sex, they get married. So Sarah J. Moss is a really interesting example because she has her Throne of Glass series. And then she has her Court of Thrones and Roses series. So Sarah J. Moss's court series has explicit sex about three quarters of the way through the first book. About three quarters of the way through the second book. And then a like, couple of times. A third of the way through the third one. Right, so there's like, there, throughout the whole series, there's 
probably there's less than 10 scenes yeah where it's like like they are having sex and it's described um but those scenes are exactly like the sex scenes in adult books they're not they, nothing's being held back no there's no like but I feel fade like, out I'll be honest I feel like that Sarah J Maas is revolutionary in that I agree. I think she, I don't, I think that sex in YA fantasy was not treated at the same level as she treats it before her. Truly. I can't think of one. You've read more fantasy than I have so that you might be able to come up with one. Hers was probably the first fantasy book that I've read with explicit sex in it. That's YA. That's YA. Yeah. Yeah, she's like emulating a lot of adult authors. Yeah, like I instantly thought the Dresden Files when I read those because it's described like the exact same way. Right. Yeah, and I, I agree, but I also think, I remember reading them for the first time, because I had read all of her, I had read her Throne of Glass series, and there is a sex scene in the second book of that series. Yep. But, it is not explicit. So when I'm reading the Court series, the first time someone had sex in that series, I was like, what is happening right now? I was yeah. like, uh, is this a YA book all of a sudden? And then I had to like think about it. But, so on reflection... Thinking about it from a librarian's perspective and from my own perspective, like thinking of it as my teenage self, I would have loved to have been able to find that book in the YA section as a teenager because, again, it is a true portrayal of, like, desire and female desire especially, which is difficult to find in a lot of books, like women who are actually into what's happening. (laughs) But... As a woman who is an adult and who has had sex, the first thing I thought after I finished that first book was, if a teenager reads this who has never had sex, their expectation of sex is going to be so skewed. That's exactly was going to be my next point. You literally stole the words out of my mouth. I was like, okay, great, cool. It is so idealized. Yes. I... Again, my reference point is probably limited, but I can't think of, like, awkward sex book. Because even, the only one I can think of is Fault in Our Stars, because there's, and but that's not explicit. But it is explicitly stated that they have sex. But there's a quote in there somewhere, I remember because I laughed about it, about there being mishaps with the bra. So he, t- he do- talks about that it's awkward, but it's also beautiful and great and awesome for the first time. You know, but that's it. Like, nobody ever talk about, like, the actual issues with it like I can't think of a book that talks about like how to put a condom on or you know having it hurt the first time like I actually didn't know that for a really long time like you don't I don't know where that they can find that in YA fiction and you definitely don't find it in YA fantasy no it's always heightened and idealized so are we as a YA culture and YA authors are we doing a disservice to the audience? Right. And that's that was my first thought, again, with this court book. Okay, so when I recommend this book to patrons, I always tell them that, that there is explicit sex in this book. That is, you have now have the choice to put it down or take it. It's yours. Um, but sometimes, depending on the person I'm with, I'll say, like, this is extremely idealized. And it's very, in my opinion, it's very misleading for what to expect. But I also think that it's all, it's always like that. I can think of one, and that is None of the Above, which is about a girl who's intersex. 
the thing is, is that she figures out she's intersex because when she's having sex, her vagina is too small and he has nowhere to go. So, and then she goes to her OBGYN and you learn more and are more educated when she is more educated, which is great. I think that there should be more of that. Again, in the, the article with the authors who do the uh, oral history podcast say, I would prefer my kids to see boys fumbling or girls not having orgasms right off the bat because then they don't have to feel like something's wrong with them because their sexual experience doesn't look like porn. That is one of my biggest problems with the sex scenes in Sarah J. Mouse's books being, and in a lot of fantasy books that do explicit sex, which hers are some of the only ones that we can think of at least. Um, yes. So that's why we keep referencing them. But the like <laughs> the like instant earth shattering orgasms that these the women have in those books i'm just like this is not realistic at all like first of all the main character in those books has had sex before like pre book history yes um but it's like this incredible like first time with this person so you've never had sex with this person before you don't know what they like they have no idea what you like the fantasy of it is that he obviously knows exactly what you need to have that earth-shattering orgasm the first time. And there's no damn way. No. So that's why it's like, that's why I say this is not an expectation you should have, especially for women, because if you, if you're a young girl and you've only ever read about, read sex scenes where the woman is super, super into it and she's had this earth-shattering orgasm ever, or repeated orgasms over and over again... (laughs) And then you have sex for the first time and you don't feel that way, you might think you're broken. Well, like in Fifty Shades of Grey, he gets her there like every single time. Right. Which is not realistic. Mm-mm. So that's, that's my problem with it is it's like the view, that fantasy type view that is like porn in that way, um, it can be damaging to your own self-evaluation of what you need and what you like. No, and I agree. There's this great um, internet meme picture where it's like the male orgasm and it shows a bop it and the female (laughs) orgasm and it shows a rubik's cube and to me i'm like oh my god that makes so much more sense and i agree with you that like how the hell is he gonna know that right off the bat right this is the first time you've ever been with this person no what well and i think too the other thing and talking about the first time you've ever been with this person is that there is no room in ya to experiment right it is very much find the soulmate find this one, this is who you, it implies that this is who you stay with forever. And we ship that, and we want that, and we fall for it as fans. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy, exactly. But that's why, and I've actually talked to some people where I like Sarah J. Moss's books, because she makes her characters go through heartbreak, and other ones are like, no, I can't stand it. I've literally had this conversation with several people that are like, I won't read her books because she puts her characters through too much. And they don't end up together. The one you fall in love with. And, and I feel tricked. I'm like, it's not a trick. They value those relationships. But eh. but and they're a changeable human being. Exactly. You don't. The first person that you don't meet, you don't end up marrying. Like, even you, who've been with your husband since you were 15. Right. He was not the first guy you ever liked. No, he was not <laughs> the first boy I ever dated. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so, it, it to me, there's always this sense of, Either sex is like this magical, beautiful thing with one person that you're going to end up with for the rest of your life, which I still think is based in the Christian... It's definitely morality. Morality-based. Or they're shaming still. I still think that people who sleep around in books 
YA books are considered they're doing it for attention or they're still called a slut or, you know, it's not cultivated as a, as a positive thing. Well, and, and I'm not saying you should go sleep around with everyone because there's STDs and there's all that stuff too. I'm not – I'm just saying that there should still – I think it is still not portrayed in a realistic light. But I think the issue is romance, the genre romance requires – that there's a happy ending. It's a it's a genre requirement. If it is if there is not a happy ending or a happy ending for now, it is not romance. So I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's like the genre definition. Oh, okay. So that lends itself to we got married, we're in love forever, we're soulmates, you know, that kind of thing. So when you incorporate romance in a genre capacity into books that aren't romance genre, like fiction or fantasy mm-hmm. or whatever. It's hard to get away from that, I think, because that's the status quo um, for that genre. So if you say my book has romance in it, people expect it to be one person or whatever love triangle crap you do. Um, They expect you to end up with one person and be with that one person. Um, And I think because of the genre definition, it really limits you. You can't – there are very few books that accurately represent – how dating and sex works for teenagers and young adults in general in the real world, which is a lot of experimentation, a lot of getting to know yourself by getting to know others, um, and a lot of discovering that what you liked before may not be what you liked now. I want to briefly touch on, before we finish, the idea and depiction of LGBTQI plus sex and also the in-between before you get to penetrative sex, like yeah. the oral sex or, you know, the, like the bases. You know what I mean? Like what, or masturbation. Like that's another thing. To me, it would have been interesting as a teenager to learn about the steps beforehand because in my very literal brain, I saw and read, you made out with boys, that led to sex. I did not want to have sex with boys, so I didn't make out with them. <laughs> right. Like... I, I didn't, and you know, even kissing for me was a really big deal because I instantly thought it would lead to more things that I didn't want to do. I was unaware of how vast that jump really is. I also did not learn about the bases until college. That blows my mind. Yeah. I actually, the first time I ever heard about the bases was in Looking for Alaska by John Green, and I was in high school, I think, and the four Fs which I was told were not the same thing, but I don't think that's true. <laughs> but I, it was. It was looking for Alaska. It was my very first exposure to that. And my very first exposure to oral sex, because she gives him a blowjob in that. I agree that those intermediary between, uh, like, first kiss and penetrative sex, it's so glossed over. Sex representation is why books is good. I think it would be better if it actually tried to take a realistic stance on how that process works, how people go from kissing to having sex, what all happens in between, um, and that it's not a perfect fantasy every time you have sex. I think that's well summarized. I don't really have much to add to that. episode 
August 30th. And we're gonna be doing Book Nerd Never Have I Ever. <laughs> and as Allison snickers <laughs> evilly, maliciously snickering. I I I'm now very nervous for this podcast all of a sudden that you just made that. I'm like, what are you gonna make me confess on the air? Anyway. Uh, so please join us for that August 30th. If you have any things you would like to add uh, to our discussion today, we'd love to hear from you guys. So follow us on social media. Check out our website at www.yweya.weebly.com where you can find all of our information, comment on our posts, and all of that great stuff. Yeah, and if you have any um, good recommendations for sex-positive books or books we don't know about that show those awesome intermediaries, we steps, want them. give them to us. We would love to have those recs. All right. I'm Kales. And I'm Allison. Now go read the thing. <laughs>